Um, my name's Christian, by the way. I'm um, the pastor alongside my uh, Angie, who's at the front here. And um, I'm going to start off today with a reading from Song of Songs. Ooh, we had that last week, I think, actually. Um, which is a fabulous book. Um, and um, I will start off with this. So Song of Songs 1, verse 5. It says the following. Jerusalem maidens in the twilight darkness, I know... I am so unworthy, so in need. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. Please don't stare in scorn because of my dark and sinful ways. It's a cheery verse to start with, isn't it? Okay, so um, we're, I'm just going to, I'm going to start bef before I go any further. Uh, for those who don't know me, I was a maths teacher for 20 years. And uh, most people love maths, don't they? Yeah? Kids are here. There are some people. There are some people. You can find them. They're even in this congregation. But um, as far as it is, I was teaching once this um, top set. They were so good, this set. They were year 10s. That's old, an old money. That's fourth year. So they were like 14, 15-year-olds. And um, they were, these were in the days where you could do maths, maths GCSE a year ahead of everyone else. So they were basically taking it a little bit quicker. And um, this parents' evening came around for this class. And I was talking to them, one by one, getting through them. And then I spoke to this one particular student. And I said, so how do you think, it's a classic question for a teacher to ask, how do you think you're getting on with maths at the moment? And her reply, never, I never forgot it, actually. She said, I hate maths. I'm rubbish at it. I can't do it. Now, has anyone ever shared those sentiments at all with, with, any, with maths or with anything? It doesn't have to be. I can't do maths. I'm rubbish at it. Or it doesn't have to be maths. You know, you can replace maths with arts I'm, yeah, or with anything. I can't do it. I am. I am. And then fill in the blank. I am rubbish, basically. Now, she was rubbish. I'll say this to you. She was rubbish in comparison to the person sitting next to her. The person sitting next to her was top of the group, and she was like near the bottom of the group. But she's still like 30th in the class, and remember, this is the top, top set. So she's 30th in the class of a year group of 300. So she's above 270 other people that are in the year group. But she doesn't compare herself with those people. She can't see them and how they're getting on. All she knows is that the guy next to her is getting everything right a lot quicker than she is. And so that's how she, that's how she did it. I am, I am this person. I cannot do it because basically this guy next to me is doing it a lot faster. When people use the phrase, I am, they're often saying to themselves or to the world, this is how I was born. This is the very core of my essence. This is how I'm wired on the inside. Is that true? Is that fair? Yeah, this is who I am. And there's not much I can do about it. People would say things like this. They would say, I am a musician. I am a doctor. Those would be career things. I am a pioneer. I'm a warrior. I am timid. I am terrified. I am shy. There's all of these phrases that we can whack on the end of the phrase, I am. And it says to us, that this is who we are. This is how we carry ourselves. And this is important because who we think we are will determine and affect the whole course of our lives. 
It will impact the direction of them and it will determine whether we think we will wilt at a challenge or whether we will rise at a challenge. Okay? This is an important problem or important question. Well, what we believe our identity is on the inside will affect the choices that we make. It will affect our behavior. It will affect our relationship with God. And it will affect our relationship with others. Ultimately, it will affect the impact that we have in our time here on the planet. What we believe we are on the inside is vital. The question, who are you, is one of the most important questions you will ever answer. And it is really important that we understand how to answer it. Now, there's three really popular ways. The first popular way is, how do you feel? So, uh, most people will go to this one straight away. They'll say, right, I, I, if I feel like this, that's who I am. Which makes sense. Yep, if I feel like I'm a Man United supporter, then I am one. Or if I feel like I like chocolate, then I'm whatever. But whatever you, you go to, it doesn't really work because feelings change on a really regular basis. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Um, some days I feel undefeatable. Yes, some days. Some days I don't. Some days I feel pretty unsure about myself. Some days I feel happy. Yay. It's can be interactive. Some days I feel sad. Ooh, okay. Some days I'm frustrated. Ooh. And some days I'm peaceful. Okay, so we've got a, a massive range of things. And it's really, really, really important that we understand that feelings aren't reliable. Feelings will change from one day to the next, and they are not a good measure of who we are or how we're wired on the inside. We can never, ever, ever get our identity from how we're feeling. Okay? Is that making sense? Now, the second really popular way is what other people say. Yes? How do other people react to me, or what do other people say about me? If other people are saying nice, positive things, then that's really, really good. If other people are saying really nasty things, then that could be me putting myself down. So what do you think about me? Because I'd like to know. This is important. Do you like me? Oh, that's nice. Julian, what do you think about me? Yeah. See? See, Julian's got his ways with me, certainly. <laughs> But, yeah, what you think about, so, I mean, when I, when I took on the job as a pastor, okay, I had some people coming up to me going, oh, that's great, yeah, I think you'll do really, really well with that. I had some people, uh, some people, they were, they were like, really? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> sure, nameless, I said, Julian. <laughs> the thing is that, what other people say will vary wildly as well. Yeah, we can't take it from other people who we are or our identity on the inside. All right? When, and when people ignore you, when people criticize you, when people just say things to you which are not particularly nice, then that will crush us on the inside if we are looking to others to determine our identity. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we'll just wilt if people go, if people start saying this, this or the other, if we're looking to say, well, I need other people to affirm me if I'm going to feel any good about myself, if I'm going to feel who I am on the other side. So um, that was nice of you, though. Thank you for that 
Uh, Rosanna, I won't listen to Julian ever about here I am. But it doesn't work, as you can see. Um, are there any other ways that you're aware of? No? Okay, the, the, one of the ways, again, which is really popular, is comparing yourself with other people. Okay, so this is a really, really nice one to go to. Um, so if I'm doing, you know, the questions then that are popping into people's heads are, am I doing better or worse than the people around me? Am I earning more money? Am I smarter? Am I more talented? Am I better looking? Am I... What's that about? We've moved past that point. Do I wear better clothes? Do I... Am I more righteous? Yes. I, whatever the situation. Or am I lo worse looking? And it, it depends. And again, if we're comparing ourselves with others, again, we are going to find ourselves all over the place with that one because you'll always find people that are better looking or worse looking. Trust me. I've tried it. And <laughs> it doesn't take much. And if you think you're the best looking, most paid, most talented person on the planet, you only have to go on the internet to find people that are better than you. It doesn't take long before you realize that that is not the truth. Okay? It's the, it, the way it is. If you're always comparing yourself with people that are better than yourself because you're living on the internet, then that's really dangerous because you are going to, if you're putting your identity there, you're going to feel like you're really poorly done by. All right? Because most of the pictures that are on Instagram have been photoshopped several times over, and they're not even real. Be aware of living on the internet is not necessarily, or no, it isn't, going to give you your identity at all. None of them, none of them tell us who we are. As we travel through life, what tends to happen with most of us is that we pick up a distorted perception of reality. Okay? A distortion. It's not quite real. And certainly about how we feel. Certainly the, who we are, rather. Our feelings speak to us and say, this is who you are. Others speak to us and say, this is who you are. And it's difficult not to allow our identity, the core of ourselves, to be affected by us. It's very, very easy. Can you tell who this person is? Got a celebrity to show you here, if they're going to come up there. Who is that person? I will put them on as a Z-list celebrity, probably, but I think you probably know them. Eric Cantona. Eric Cantona. Not Eric Cantona. Katie Price. Katie Price. Look at you go. <laughs> Katie Price. I think she might be a bit offended at that. No one know. E.T. with a beard. E.T. with a beard. We've got Katie Price and E.T. with a beard. It's a distorted picture of somebody, obviously, and you all know them. Yes, it's me. Well done. Very good. <laughs> Very impressed. Okay. That's very good. There. Do you want the chocolate bar afterwards? <laughs> but there we are. It's hard to tell, isn't it, when it's been heavily distorted. And we, we get very, very easily, easily distorted. Uh, where's my volunteer? I need a volunteer. Where, where have they got to? Oh, there you are, Steve. Right, brilliant. So these, these here are called kaleidoscope goggles, I believe. And... Uh, you're excited about this. You don't have a clue what's going, do you, really? So do you want to put them on? Um, and then, uh, so it's quite difficult to tell because they distort what's happening around you. Are they, right, what can you see? Um, not much. Not much, okay. So the, the, the game here is I'm going to give you something, 
And with your distorted goggles, you've got to work out what it is. You're allowed to feel it as well, actually. So this is what it is, all right? He's got, some of you might not know, but I can't speak it now. Um, so I'll put that in your hands, all right? There we go, don't drop it. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what do you think that might be with your distorted vision and, and feelings? Don't forget, you can use feelings as well. A toy. A toy, good, very good. What type of toy do you reckon? I, will, I do want its name, I'm sorry. Hey, very good. I'm afraid I don't know which one, though. No, you don't have to name the, the actual minion itself. I'll put that there for you now. <laughs> you can take them off now. Thank you for volunteering. Give them a round of applause, people. <laughs> so, yeah, he wrecked that completely because what I was after was him to say he didn't know, but there we are. <laughs> but the point is that if, if I'd given you that straight away, you'd have been able to see it straight away. With a distortion, it's harder to tell what's real and what's not. It's, it's harder to, to work out what's, what's taking place. Now, this isn't a new phenomenon. It's been taking place forever. Um, and if we look at um, some examples in the Bible from the Old Testament, you'll be able to see much clearer. Exodus 3 verse 11 um, kicks in. Now, this is in the passage of the burning bush where God has visited and said, look, Moses, I want you to lead the Israelites out of Egypt now and into the promised land. This is your big task. And what Moses says, straight back to God, after quite a, a must have been a powerful encounter, is... Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So his immediate problem was with who he was inside. Does that make sense? This is who I am. You've got the wrong person. And then in uh, verse 10, uh, Exodus 4 verse 10, um, he carries on arguing. He's basically argued with God for a chapter and a half of the Bible. That's a lot of the Bible to be arguing with God on. But there we go. So he gets to, to verse 10, and, um, and God says, I say, Moses says to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Okay? So God's going, I think you're the man. And Moses is going, You haven't got a clue what you're talking about. This is who I really am on the inside. Moses has this distorted view, I would argue, of who he is on the inside. Gideon. If you've heard of Gideon before, in Judges 6, verse 15, I'm going to read from, but it starts in Judges 6, the story, where the Midianites just keep coming in and, and being horrible to, the, to Israel. And then um, God starts speaking to Gideon and starts saying, come on, you can do something here. And Gideon speaks back to him and says, pardon me, polite guy, isn't he? Pardon me. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I am the least in my family. For every one of these people, God could see who they were clearly. He had made them. Yes! Are we aware of that? And he knows all, doesn't he? He knows absolutely everything. He knew them better than they knew themselves. And yet... Each time, they had a distorted view of who they actually were. In the starting verses, where I, was, I did from Song of Songs, it basically said that the beloved was saying how unworthy she was, how unlovable, how ugly, how sinful, don't look at me. That was her view of herself. 
um, in verse 9, in Song of Songs 1 verse 9, as we go to that, we get the crux of really what I'm talking about today. Because Jesus is the lover in Song of Songs, and he says the following, My dearest one, let me tell you how I see you. Now that there is the massive point of today. Because how Jesus sees is not through these goggles. Are you with me? How Jesus sees is perfect. How Jesus sees is absolutely perfect. He sees who you are. He knows what you're capable of. He knows what you can do. He knows your limits. If you have many limits, he knows them. He's not going to tell you to do stuff that's beyond them. And what you are. So it's so important. Jesus is the truth, and we need to listen to the truth. We need to listen to Jesus to see who we are clearly. To know how we're wired on the inside. Yes, I would say. Throughout Song of Songs, if you ever want to read that, we see Jesus affirm the beloved again and again and again. We start off with, I am unworthy, don't look at me. And all that happens all the way through that book is that Jesus says, you are lovely, you are delightful, you, I am thrilled with you. And again and again and again, Jesus speaks to the beloved and says how much he loves her. And as you travel through that book, you see the response and the difference it makes. Because as she listens to the truth, as she listens to reality, to reality, she learns to love and her relationship blossoms. Now that's massive. As she actually works out what's real and what's not about herself, then she learns to love. And her relationship with Jesus goes from strength to strength to strength. And isn't that what we all want? Yeah. So this is a huge area. Um, and so basically, as we go through these particular bits and these, these, these examples, Exodus 4.12, we'll go back to. And we've got God saying to Moses what he thinks um, of him. He says, go, I will speak, I will help you speak rather, and I will teach you what to say. And then going back to Gideon in Judges 6, verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. When God speaks to us, when God mentions anything about who we are, he gives and challenges an image of ourselves. And in these stories here, we can see that's exactly what was taking place. Moses would not have been able to free, would he? He wouldn't have been able to bring freedom at all to the Israelites. There would have been no way of doing it if he did not have his identity challenged, if he didn't, if he didn't have that moment with God. Gideon wouldn't have been able to rescue Israel had he had not had that encounter, had he not had that word of who he truly was on the inside. You're a mighty warrior. You're not this weakling. You can do this, is what God's speaking to him about. And he has to speak to him for a while. You can read these stories for yourself. They do take a bit of, uh, a little bit of challenging. It's a journey for them. It's not a one-off kind of like, oh, thanks very much. Right, I'll go off and do it. As I said, like Moses argued for a chapter and a half, and Gideon was fleecing him for a while. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't straight away, was it? You know, it's like, oh, make it a bit wettish this time. 
You know, it was always kind of like, you know, persuade me, persuade me. But it was an ongoing conversation, which was important in this. But these men, they were wrapped in a distorted view of who they were, that they weren't worthy, that they weren't good enough, that they weren't important enough, that they wouldn't amount to anything, that these people were small people that in their own minds. And God saw them as big people. God saw them as huge. God saw them as world changers. You got that? And that's how God sees you. He sees you as a world changer. He sees you as a huge, significant, worthy person, a valuable person, a person who can make a massive impact in this world. Do we agree with that? Because that's who you really are. You are not this person who's small and weak and can't do anything. You have incredible worth in the kingdom of God. And God moves in our lives. He moved in their lives. And he unlocked their huge potential. And he continuously does that in us as we listen to him speak into us every single day. Once we gave our lives to Jesus, he changed us from the inside out. He made us into a new creation. He forgave us from all sin and all guilt. He made us a masterpiece, his masterpiece. God is proud of you. That's crucial. He's proud of you. He delights in you. He took away your spirit of fear and he replaced it with power and love and a sound mind. That is who you are. That is who we all are in Christ. Yeah, these are important things. He adopted us in his family. He made us righteous. You're righteous right now, whether you feel it or not, because it is faith, not feelings. It's by believing in what this says and not believing in what your feelings say, that makes all the difference here. Got it? This is real. This is the truth, not what your feelings are or what other people are saying about you. And we need to keep going back and seeing what that is saying. But you are bold people. Not bold, bold. <laughs> all right? Bold, courageous, spirit-filled, beloved children of God. Get that more and more on the inside and you will see our lives, we will see our lives be transformed from the inside out. There's one which is all-encompassing in one respect. is 1 John 4, verse 17, which is a great one to go to. It says, by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because... All that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. All that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. As the Father sees Jesus, so he sees you. So, is Jesus righteous? Yeah, so are you. Is Jesus loved? So are you. Does Jesus bring a delight and a smile to the Father's eye, at heart? Yeah. yeah, so he does with you. So this is how it is. Reflect on that. There's so much there. Because that is who we are now in Christ. And the more we actually see that as truth and real, the less we lose that the more we lose the distortion of what it looks like. It's a massive, massive development in our own character as we journey in that particular way. We become bolder people, bolder to speak of the good news of Jesus to people that don't know him yet. Yeah? 
So as you travel through your journeys through today and tomorrow and throughout the weeks, and you come across people that don't know Jesus, you've got a boldness on the inside of you. As Jesus is, so are we. Yeah? Did Jesus speak to the lost? Yeah. So that same spirit lives inside of us now. Does that make sense? There's an eagerness to do that, which is important. Okay? This is who we are. We're people that, you might be looking at me and go, well, I don't feel it. It's not about what you feel. It's about what's true. It's about what's real on the inside. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Be aware that we have that Jesus character being formed on the inside of us all of the time. Massive, massive, massive difference that it makes. Huge um, in everything that, that we are looking at there. Uh, and value. Now, Jules mentioned value. We are all incredibly valued, incredibly valuable. John 3.16 says the following. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You're not just valuable because of the fact that God calls you valuable. You're valuable because Jesus died on a cross for you. You're valuable because Jesus went through the most painful thing imaginable to bring us into relationship with him, to give us that opportunity, to give us that invitation to bring us into relationship with him. And that really there sums it all up. That's how valued we are to God. And we grab hold of that for ourselves and then for others as well. It's really, really, really important. Okay. Um, so how do we get an application of this? How do we get the clearest view of who we really are? How do we get the reality in our hearts the most? Well, if you want to know who you are, really, what do you do? If you want to know who you are, if you want to know what you look like, what do you do? Look in the mirror! Very good. It's good you said that, because otherwise we couldn't have gone any further with the preach. We, <laughs> we look in the mirror. Yes. You spend some time looking in the mirror. Now, I'm going to therefore make a massive point of this. I would all like you to spend more time looking in front of the mirror, please. Can we do that? Is that all right? Yeah. Because it's important. Let me explain more. In James 1, verse 23 to 25, it says the following... If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to, discuss, to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. So the huge application here is to read and meditate on God's word. It's to actually spend time soaking in the truth and to let the Holy Spirit bring to life those verses to, that you're reading and dwelling and meditating on. 
This isn't a religious exercise. I'm not saying go home now and read the Bible for five hours. I'm saying to you, look at what the words are. Look at what the truth says. And let the Spirit of God bring that to life. Yeah? Bring it to life so that it becomes alive on the inside of you. I've actually, um, the more we do this, I should say, the more you do this, you'll see faith rise on the inside of your heart. Yep. The more we hear, the more faith comes. And we sent um, some out on the email. So you get some of the emails. So there's actually a list today of who we are in Christ. So look out for that, okay? And see, have a look at some of those verses because you'll also be discussing them in your connect groups this week. Have a think about who you are. Have a think about what God wants to take you on the next step of who you really are in him. Because it's a journey, bit by bit, he does it. For myself, recently, I came across a verse which was, I am a man of prayer, which I thought, that's good, I like that. I am a man of prayer. Um, in Galatians 4, 6, it says, there's a spirit in us that's crying out, Abba, Father. Which means the intimate part of, it's an intimate relationship with God. Effectively, I'll rephrase that. There's a spirit in you that's always crying out for an intimate relationship with God. That's been put inside of you. So, so you're, you're people of prayer. We're all people of prayer. I, I grabbed hold of that. Something became alive on the inside of me with this this week. And I was thinking, this is who I am. I am a man of prayer. And I couldn't lose it. I kept on waking up thinking, I'm a man of prayer. I'm a man. And it kept on going over my head again and again and again. It became life to me on the inside. And I'll tell you the transforming effect it has when you start to see yourself as something that God's made you to be. All of the times, you know you have times where you're praying, like, oh, God, it's a slog this, I can't do it. Or you're getting up, you think, oh, I can't, I'm not in the mood, I'm, I'm not feeling it today, I'm not feeling like I can pray today, or whatever, you, you're there, I'm, I find prayer really difficult, I, I'm not really, this was different then. All of a sudden now, I'm like, I am a man of prayer. Therefore, prayer is a joy and my purpose. Yep, and it is yours as well. Prayer makes a massive impact because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Yes, you're all righteous if you believe in Jesus. So that's good news. So basically, I was looking at this going, man, this is massive. And all of a sudden, I'm praying loads. I'm starting to pray without even thinking about it. My mind, which usually, remember the nothing box conversation. Um, I'm, instead of that, my mind's going into prayer. Again, it's defaulting to prayer because I'm starting to re identify with who I actually am on the inside. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm a man of prayer. So I just start praying, and I just start praying. It's not something that I've actually done about trying really hard, but it's gone all the way back to this is who I am. This is who Christ Jesus had made me to be, and all of us. Yes? Now, you can substitute prayer for anything you jolly well want to. If you want to be more, you know, it's got to be in the Bible. <laughs> but um, if there's a certain thing which Jesus has made to be, anything on that list, you're thinking, oh, that's, what he's, that's what I'm sensing the Spirit of God leading me on at the moment. Then take that and dwell on that and let him change you on the inside out. And you will see such a transformation. The more and more and more you say, this is who I am. This is who I am. I am not the person that these goggles tell me I am. I am not this distorted view of, of this thing that I've been taking on from other people or my feelings or from comparing myself to others. That's not who I am. 
I'm who Jesus says I am. And the more we get that on the inside of us, the more our lives will be transformed to be more and more like Jesus. Amen? Good. Excellent. Um, and I'm, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. If I can have the band back up, that would be brilliant, actually. I'll just summarize it here with these. Just, I just want to say this to you. Don't let anyone tell you who you are. Nobody has got the right to do that to you. Don't let your feelings or fear dictate to you what you can or what you cannot do. We are not ever defined by what we feel, how we feel, nor by others. We are defined only by Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Only he sees with perfect clarity. Only he sees things as they truly and really are. So let him identify, give you your identity today. Okay.